Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. In scripture, the shepherd is one of the most common images of the Messiah. In John chapter 10, Jesus told a famous story about a shepherd with a hundred sheep. When one of his flock was lost, he left the 99 sheep to rescue it. Yeshua then said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Old Testament also depicts the Messiah as the shepherd of Israel, someone who will selflessly guide the sheep, protect them, and provide for them. One of the clearest examples of this is found in Ezekiel 34, verses 20 through 31. Today, we have invited back Rich Freeman, who will help us discover what this passage says about the Messiah and how that should shape our view of Yeshua. Rich Freeman is the Vice President and Director of Church Ministries and Conferences for Chosen People Ministries, and he received his Doctor of Ministry at Gordon Cornwell Seminary. I now introduce the host of Our Hope Podcast, Abe Vazquez. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Our Hope. I am so excited uh, that we are here again to continue our series on Messianic prophecies. I'm really excited about this season. It can it can certainly be very uh, academic. It can certainly be very educational. And we hope that you learn as much as you can from uh, what we're talking about. But we are trying to make it relatable as well. And so as you listen, as you learn, we hope that you will understand how you can apply this to your own life, um, how you can understand the importance of messianic prophecy, and and it really in the context of sharing uh, the gospel with other people. It, it often is a really great tool um, to explain why Jesus is who he is. And so today we have Rich Freeman, Dr. Rich Freeman, um, all the way from Florida. Rich, it's such a joy to have you once again on Our Hope. It's great to be with you guys. So 
Give us some updates. What's been going on? It's been a while since we've uh, chatted with you. We did take a long break. And so tell us what's been going on with your ministry. Well, down here in Florida, things are beginning to open up. Uh, We've been uh, starting to have our uh, monthly fellowships meeting in person. We had been doing them by Zoom. And uh, a number of people really pleaded with us to begin meeting in person again. So we have right now two monthly fellowships, one uh, meeting in Boynton Beach and one meeting in Boca Raton, both are very Jewish areas. And uh, we have Shabbat services uh, uh, during the, the, on Friday, one in the first Friday and one on the third Friday. And uh, we've been doing that now for a few months and things seem to be calming down as far as COVID is concerned. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're basically seeing uh, less stringent controls. Uh, Florida is is certainly not as controlled as you guys up in New York. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, we we do take care and try to make sure we don't do anything silly. Uh, there's still mm-hmm. a lot of COVID cases around, and, uh, and so we have to be careful with that. But uh, things are opening up. Um. One of the things that I've been doing personally is I just finished a book that I've been working on for a couple of years uh, oh, wow. based on uh, really kind of, it's really connected to uh, to the pandemic in that uh, it's it's uh, called uh, The Lord is My Shepherd, Dayenu, mm. which is a Hebrew word that means, which means that is enough. Yeah. And uh, uh, the subtitle to the book is God's GPS for finding contentment during difficult times. <laughs> and so uh, that's been a, kind of a, a, a pet project of mine. I've been spending a lot of time in Psalm 23 and, and dealing with how do we get through difficult times? Yeah. Uh, uh, how does the Lord help us get through difficult times? And what does it all mean that the Lord is my shepherd? Mm. So it kind of fits in what you told me we're going to be speaking about today. So I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. Well, let's let's just jump right in. So we're going to be talking about some scriptures in the book of Ezekiel. Um, and uh, a little spoiler alert, the book of Ezekiel was written by the prophet Ezekiel. So <laughs> during that time, Ezekiel, he, he was exiled with his people in Babylon. And the book of Ezekiel not only calls forth judgment on both Israel and surrounding nations, but it also provides a redemptive vision of the future millennial kingdom. Nicole, would you mind just reading Ezekiel 34, 20 through 31? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and with shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns until you have scattered them abroad, therefore I will deliver my flock and they will no longer be a prey and I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate harmful beasts from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season, 
they will be showers of blessing. Also the tree of the field will yield its fruit and the earth will yield its increase and they will be secure on their land. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be a prey to the nations and the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely and no one will make them afraid. I will establish for them a renowned planting place and they will not again be victims of famine in the land and they will not endure the insults of the nations anymore. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, you are men and I am your God, declares the Lord God. Thank you, Nicole. That's awesome. So looking at this passage and hearing this passage, Rich, what is the heart of this message? What is it saying? Who is it addressed to and why? It's when you look at the, at the idea of a, of a shepherd, keep in mind, you know, as we look in the context of the chapter, uh, the beginning of the chapter, uh, God is judging, pronouncing judgment against the the leaders of Israel, the shepherds of Israel, who have led Israel to a place of unbelief, who've led Israel to a place away from their Messiah. And then the Messiah basically uh, talks about judging the, the shepherd of Israel and now uh, the, the shepherds of Israel, and now declares that there's going to be a time when uh, he's going to judge those in Israel. Uh, and it really relates to a judgment that Jesus called the, the judgment of the sheep and the goats, mm -hmm. where uh, believers and unbelievers are going to be judged, and only believers will be allowed to come into the kingdom of God. And it is then, uh, as believers come into this millennial kingdom, uh, that all of these promises that Ezekiel wrote uh, 2,500 years ago, long before Jesus walked on the earth, uh, that will deal with this issue of, of the millennial kingdom and, and what takes place in that millennial kingdom. Some amazing things and a, a change in the topography of the earth. So Rich, why is this passage still relevant for us today? Well, I think, you know, especially in a time like we're, we're dealing with now with, with the COVID pandemic, we always need something to, to look forward to, something to hope for. And for believers in Jesus, obviously, it's Jesus' return. And what takes place when Jesus returns? Well, he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. He's going to be literal and physically here, sitting on the throne of David. And not only that, I think the passage in Ezekiel tells us that there's going to be a resurrected David who's going to help Jesus administrate his kingdom. So I personally believe that when it talks about David, it's not just talking about the throne of David, but it's talking about David, uh, the King David, who's going to be on the earth with Jesus, helping him administrate the kingdom and be the righteous prince. It's going to be an amazing time. And mm -hmm. uh, I get excited <laughs> talking about it. It's one of the things that I enjoy teaching is Bible prophecy and mm -hmm. talking about the millennial kingdom is amazing. Amen. Because he goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking well, about you that. know, when you think about it, when you think about all the changes in the world, even the animal kingdom is going to change. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. the Bible talks about the lion lying down with the lamb. 
and predators will uh, will be at peace with their prey. Mm. And uh, it talks about the nations not insulting Israel anymore. And uh, you don't have to be a, a genius to see that that's happening even now, that uh, Israel is usually in the middle of some sort of attack uh, where they're, they're chastised for something. Uh, and and the, the commonplace of anti-Semitism uh, is, is real. Yeah. You know, it's pretty hard to deny that. So these changes are, are something that we can look forward to. Uh, and the idea that Jesus is going to be on the earth, sitting on the throne of David, administrating the world, being the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, excites me to no end. It wasn't until you just you know, uh, brought up the point of David administering the kingdom with Jesus that I realized all these characters in the Bible we're gonna be with in this kingdom. Yep. That's <laughs> remarkable. It, you know, when yeah. you think about it, <laughs> You know, I always wanted to sit down with Moses and find out what was it like, you know, or or, yeah. <laughs> or have a conversation with these people. It's just, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think my only fear is somebody's going to come up to me and he's going to say, hi, you know, my name is Nahum. I, I said, yeah, what'd you do when you were on the earth? He said, I was a writer. He said, I wrote a book. I said, what was the name of the book? Nahum. And I said, well, sorry, I... I not too familiar with it. You know, those kind of things are going to be embarrassing moments. Yeah. So as you were saying, King David is going to administer alongside the Messiah. We see in verses 23 and 24 in this prophecy from Ezekiel, it says that David is the shepherd and prince. But if this was written so long after King David died, how do we know for sure that it's referring to King David and not Jesus who was descended from David? Right. And, and, and Nicole, I, I think uh, a lot of people uh, will will tell you it's really talking about Jesus, not about David. But you know, Jesus, in in more than one place in the scriptures, is called the first fruits of the dead. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Jesus is resurrected when he returns to earth, and all those who follow Jesus. And, and we've talked about all the Old Testament characters as well as the New Testament characters are also going to be resurrected. So we're talking not about uh, the old David, we're talking about a resurrected David who's going to come and uh, be the shepherd of Israel, so to speak, to help administrate uh, Jesus' kingdom. Now, and certainly, uh, since David is the one who wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, uh, it makes sense that he would be the shepherd to come and, and take care of the flock, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit more about that imagery of a shepherd. Um, sure. I'm excited that you're writing a whole book on that. Yeah. Um, but it's constantly used in both the Tanakh and the New Covenant. Share a little bit about this shepherd imagery that we always hear about. And, and it's it's interesting because even today, you know, let's be real. When was the last time you met a shepherd? <laughs> it, it, right. It's not something you really um, encounter on an everyday basis, even though I've been to Israel and you still see shepherds with the sheep on the, on the land. <laughs> and it's pretty awesome sure. to see, by the way. Um, but living in New York, you're living in the United States, you don't really see that often. You don't encounter it often. So how can we look at this imagery and, and be encouraged by it? I, I think one of the things that is important for us to recognize is the intimacy between the shepherd and the sheep. Hmm. One, one of my favorite pictures of Jesus is Jesus walking with a sheep around his back, you know, carrying the sheep on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. and, and that tells us, you know, the shepherd loves his sheep so much 
that he's interested in every single one. And if he has to look for that one as, as you know, the, that imagery uh, is spoken about in the New Testament, especially where, where the one would, the shepherd would search after the lost sheep. Mm. Uh, it, it's a picture of, of his care, uh, of his concern, and again, of that intimate relationship. One, one of my favorite pictures of that is in, is in John where Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the door. Mm. Now, in my study of, of, uh, of Psalm 23, one of the one of the things that I found is some of the sheepfolds didn't have doors. So the shepherd at nighttime, after the sheep came into the sheepfold, would actually lie down in the opening to protect the sheep. So in wow. essence, the shepherd became the door, and that's the picture that Jesus gives us. So that idea of intimacy and care uh, runs through, and we could. Uh, as the sheep look to the shepherd and were able to deal with with their skittishness, uh, and sheep are very skittish animals, mm -hmm. they always had that sense of, of connect, connectedness to the shepherd, and they gave them a sense of contentment. Mm -hmm. And so for us, even in the most dire circumstances, when we have the shepherd in front of us, we, we can deal with it. It doesn't mean the pain's going to go away. It doesn't mean uh, we're not going to struggle, mm -hmm. but knowing that we have a shepherd who cares for us gives us that strength to be able to deal with it. Uh, I think that's in Philippians 4 when Paul learned, says, I've learned the secret of being content. Uh, he, he then goes on and says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, through the Messiah who strengthens me. Uh, as Paul understood the presence of the, of the Messiah in his life, it gave him strength. And as we, the same as the sheep, who, when they saw the presence of the shepherd, it gave them the ability to deal with their situations. And it, it's the same for us. And uh, that gives me a lot of comfort, uh, even in difficult times, knowing that, that the shepherd is right there taking care of me. We'll be right back. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. Is it possible for Jewish people to believe in Jesus when there's such a sad history of Christian anti-Semitism that has shaped Jewish attitudes towards the gospel? Well, I know there's hope because I'm Jewish and I believe in Jesus. And I would love to offer a few suggestions for reaching Jewish people personally with the love of God through Messiah. First. Keep your message personal. You're representing a person, not a religion. Second, be loving, patient, and kind, even when they object. And then finally, and most importantly, pray. Touching the heart of your Jewish friend with the good news of Messiah will also touch the very heart of God. And you can learn more by visiting Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com radio. difficult times, we know how hard it is to hold on to hope, and we want you to know that Chosen People Ministries is here for you. If you have any prayer requests, our prayer team is standing by to receive them. You can submit your request at chosenpeople.com forward slash pray. Again, that's chosenpeople.com forward slash pray.
the the famous scripture everyone knows it psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want what connections are there between that and ezekiel 34 which we're talking about today well i i think clearly you know david had in mind uh as a shepherd himself uh again that connectedness between the shepherd and the sheep and for david to uh, tell us that the lord is is our shepherd Mm. that when just the way the sheep look to the shepherd for everything, we have the Lord as our shepherd for David, knowing how much he loved his own sheep, uh, that gave him comfort. And that uh, that phrase, I shall not want, is written in the negative. So what it really means is I don't lack anything. Mm-hmm. And if you go through all the English translations, that they, they use that word a lot. Yeah. Um, that's why the title of my book, has the word uh, dienu, because the Lord is my shepherd, dienu, that's enough. And when we come to to that idea that uh, the Lord is our shepherd, and that's enough, that gives us that comfort. Relating it to Ezekiel 34, uh, it's talking about the millennial kingdom and the presence of the Lord and the presence of David as his helper and our shepherd. And uh, I don't know, having David as my personal shepherd on the earth sounds pretty cool to me. (laughs) Yeah. So, Rich, what is the Messiah's role exactly, according to this passage in Ezekiel? Well, I I think, again, we have to look in the context of what is this speaking about. And and this is speaking about Jesus physically, bodily being on the earth, watching uh, his people and taking care of them in a way that the shepherd takes care of his sheep. And so, uh, again, it talks about judgment and that there's going to be that judgment of believers and unbelievers. But when Jesus' kingdom begins, the only ones entering it are going to be believers in him. Mm -hmm. There's going to be his flock, so to speak. And uh, the the picture of that intimate relationship uh, between uh, the shepherd and the sheep uh, really speaks again of our relationship to the Lord. One, one of my favorite passages is the one where it says the Lord knows every everything about us, even the literally the number of hairs on our head. Yeah. And uh, I've been blessed to have a lot of hair. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I always tease my friends who don't have as much hair saying, well, it's easier to know you than it is to know me. But again, you know, all kidding aside, the idea that the Lord knows everything about me, even all of my flaws, all of my faults, and still loves me, gives me so much comfort. And uh, this this picture comparing the Lord as uh, the shepherd of Israel compared basically to shepherds who were mercenaries, who, who did it uh, for the month, for the money, for the power, for the prestige, not because they were they cared for the sheep but because they took advantage of their position as the shepherd of Israel and the Lord's not like that. And, and we could take great comfort in that. What is his leadership style going to be like? What, what, <laughs> what is like, I, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to dream and imagine a little bit um, what that all will look like. And, you know, hearing that David will help administer clearly there's some sort of hierarchy, there's structure, right. there's, um, it's not chaos, you know? Um, no, he's very organized. Right. No he, question about it. What does that leadership look like? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, when Jesus was on the earth with his disciples, he talked about servant leadership. 
Mm. So it's it's being able to to give uh, and put your own needs in a secondary way. I know in the the many years that I pastored, uh, I used to kid with my wife and say the one thing I do a lot of is apologize <laughs> because unfortunately, you know, for whatever reason, sometimes people will react to something you say or or something you do and, and get offended. And the last thing you want is for that offense to, to remain. So you want to take care of those things. And, and I, I believe in a sense, that's going to be Jesus leadership style. If there's any sort of issue, he's going to deal with it immediately. And uh, quite frankly, yes, David is going to be in the millennial kingdom uh, as the shepherd of Israel. But we as glorified saints are also going to help administrate his kingdom. Right. And that, yeah. that excites me as well. Yeah. Yeah, we all have a part. Wow. So, Rich, when will this prophecy be fulfilled? Is it all in the future? Are there some parts of it that have been fulfilled already? And and Mitch, Cle I should tell you, Mitch Glazer uh, gave us a date in the first episode. Yes. So <laughs> whoever's, the, whoever's the closest to that date wins the prize. When will it be fulfilled, huh? <laughs> yes. Well, um, you know, I, I think there's... In Bible prophecy, there's some things that that you can begin to see the the beginnings of. Uh, one of my favorite prophecies is in Zechariah, where it talks about old men will be on the streets and the children will be playing. And you know, for those of us who've been in Israel and we sat in, in the old city of Jerusalem uh, having a break for lunch and you see the little children playing in the playground and the old men sitting and playing cards. And it's almost, you could see as Israel's back in the land that some of these prophecies are beginning. Uh, but clearly this is talking about the millennial kingdom. It's talking about the return of Jesus. And there's a whole process to that where, uh, from my perspective, uh, the church, uh, the body of believers, the body of Messiah is going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air first. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at this. And then we're going to have uh, the revealing of this political leader uh, that we call the Antichrist or the Anti-Messiah, who's going to basically rule the world for a period of time. Uh, and it equates to the, the uh, chapter 9 of Daniel, where he talks about these uh, 70 periods of 70 year of seven years that he calls weeks and that last period the last seven years is what we commonly call the tribulation period and that's going to be the time where where the church will be taken out but there's going to be a great revival among those who are left behind who are going to recognize all the reality of hopefully what we've shared with them and uh and then after after that seven-year period is up, Jesus is going to return. Uh, the prophet Zechariah says his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives facing Jerusalem to the east, and he's going to return. It says all his holy ones with him. And that's talking about us. And that really, that gives me goosebumps. Wow. <laughs> that we're, we're going to return to earth with Jesus and, and help him administrate this kingdom. Yeah. So getting back to your question, I think the fulfillment, again, is in the future. When? Uh, we don't know when, but obviously each day we get closer to it. Amen. And, and I don't think we're that far away personally. Rich, I love how excited you are by talking about this. Like I can, I can hear how excited you are for this 
coming kingdom. And but I'm just curious when you first became a believer, um, can you recall when you first heard about these prophecies? Can you recall when you first actually understood what these prophecies meant and and maybe talk about some of the emotion or 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 how you felt hearing these for the first time? Well, as a Jewish believer, I was the first one in my family uh, to get saved. Eventually, my my mother and then my father got saved. My father on his deathbed. Wow. And um, I remember hearing uh, my pastor teach on the rapture of the church. You know, the time we get caught up to be with the Lord in the air. Yeah. And he made a point of saying that the world is going to think that maybe space aliens came and took us away. Uh, but we need to tell people it was Jesus. It wasn't space aliens. And so I thought, I need to tell my sister. Now, I'm five years older than my sister. So I'm her big brother. She always looked up to me. I was in the business world and was was reasonably successful in the business world and, and basically gave it all up to go into ministry. And so uh, I was always considered a little weird by, by my sister and, and her family. And so... I took my sister out to lunch and I said to her, you know, if one day everybody who believes the way I believe disappears all at the same time, I want you to know that it wasn't space aliens who came and took us away, but it was Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And I was real excited and pumped up and I thought, this is really going to speak to her. And my poor sister looked at me, her oh, eyes man. got as wide as saucers and she knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that her brother was crazy. <laughs> I could just see it in her face. And, uh, oh, you know, thank wow. God we still have a good relationship. And that's many, many years uh, since. Mm -hmm. But I was, I, I just knew that I had to tell my sister about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I did. Mm -hmm. And I, I always tell people, you know, if you're worried that your family's going to think you're crazy by telling them about this, if you're already living for Jesus, I have news for you. They already think you're crazy. That's right. So you might as well prove them right. Mm -hmm. If there's anybody listening in who wants to follow Jesus as their Lord, as their shepherd, what do they need to do? You know, I think that it's important uh, for us to understand you can't just say the Lord is my shepherd. You have to acknowledge not only is he my shepherd, but I'm one of his sheep. Mm. And, you know, sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. They're, they're not the most dynamic animals in the world. I mean, you don't have any sports teams named the sheep. It just doesn't fit. We're, sheep are not something that we, we tend to uh, equate to our lives. Right. Yeah. And sheep are very, very submissive. So in order for the Lord to be my shepherd, I have to be willing to submit to him, mm -hmm. to submit to his leadership, to allow him to lead me in a place that he knows is best for me. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that takes a willingness to relinquish control. One of the things that we as human beings strive for is to be able to control our situations and our environments. And it's been said more than once by many people smarter than myself that control is an illusion. Mm -hmm. We don't have control. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're basically subject to our circumstances. They can be good, they can be bad, they could be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but if we relinquish control to the Messiah, 
he promises to take us to a place that's always best for us. David begins to describe that. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He mm. restores me. Those are the kinds of things that the Lord does. And you have to be willing to submit to him as our shepherd to truly make that uh, a reality. Uh, and quite frankly, not everybody's willing to do that, to, to relinquish that control and authority to the Lord. But when you do, and this has been my experience for almost 40 years, when you do, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, I was a very successful person in a different environment, in a different world, and it was empty to me. Once, once I, I compared that to knowing the Lord and knowing that I had to, I was able to stop worrying about what my future would entail because I knew with the Lord as my shepherd where he was going to take me eventually. And Psalm 23 ends, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's the ultimate. That's something that we should all strive for, to be able to spend eternity with him. And that's what the Lord provides for us as our great shepherd. The notion of the Messiah being like a shepherd who guides, protects, and provides for his flock is so encouraging. What is more, Ezekiel 34 gives us a vision of how God will deliver his people and heal the world. In the end, as verse 30 puts it, then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. We look forward to the day when Jesus returns to set things right. Until then, we can rely on our Good Shepherd to always guide, provide, and protect. If you are listening and you have questions about today's episode, if you're early in your faith, if you're confused, if you just have a lot of questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at believe at chosenpeople.com. Again, that email is believe at chosenpeople.com. We would love to chat with you. So join us next time as we continue this series on Messianic prophecies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope featuring Rich Freeman. This episode was produced by Nicole Vaca and Grace Sui, written by Rachel Larson and edited by Grace Sui. This episode was also created thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Kyron Bautista, and Dr. Michael Radownik. I'm Abe Vasquez. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHopePodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. You can also support our podcast by giving today at OurHopePodcast.com slash support. See you next time.